This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We welcome you this morning to our Sunday worship service from Ocean Lakes Family Campground in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Since this is a podcast of the sermon only, you will not be able to hear our guest singers today or have fellowship with other worshipers. However, we thank God that we can come to you by this method. The subject of the sermon today is One Thing Thou Lackest, and the scriptural basis is Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. The key verse is what Jesus said in verse 21 of Mark chapter 10 to the man we call the rich young ruler. We pray that this message today will be a blessing to you as you join us at Ocean Lakes. I'm always somewhat amused when I hear people talk about certain hymns that they say belong to one particular denomination. Oh, that's a Baptist hymn, or that's a Methodist hymn, or that's a Catholic hymn. Now, it is true that many denominations have published hymnals that are selected primarily by churches of their own faith, but I don't know of any hymns that are the exclusive property of any one denomination. Those of you here today who are of a Baptist background may remember a hymnal that Many of us were raised on. It's called the Broadman Hymnal. The name Broadman is a composite of two men's names, Broadus and Manly. When Dr. John A. Broadus was a student at the University of Virginia, he was recognized for his deep spirituality and for his genuine concern for the salvation of others. On one occasion, he was asked by a friend of his, a fellow classmate in a Greek class, to write something in his textbook. Now, Broadus knew that this classmate was not a professing Christian, and so Broadus chose to write his note in Greek. He wrote in Greek, One thing thou lackest. Years later, Broadus learned that this man had become an active Christian, and that he gave the credit for his conversion to what John Broadus had written in his book. One thing thou lackest. These were the words of Jesus to a man whom we call the rich young ruler. Matthew tells us that he was young. Luke tells us that he was a ruler. And this meant any person of position or influence. The word young should be used of a teenage boy. But the phrase from my youth in this passage of scripture leads us to believe that he was probably in his 30s. At least we know he was not too old to run, for Mark says in Mark 10, verse 17, there came one running and kneeled to him. Now, there were several good things about this man. We're sometimes prone to criticize certain biblical characters to the extent that we have lost what good might have been shown in their lives. This man is one of those who usually stands out as a target for our criticism. But notice with me this morning several good things about this man. One, Jesus saw some good in him. Mark says, Jesus then beholding him 
loved him. There was something about this man that attracted Jesus to him. You might readily say that it was this man's money. Of course, Jesus never scorned having money as such. But this was not the thing that Jesus found attractive in him. In fact, Jesus urged him to give away his material wealth so that his true riches might become apparent. This man must have had some personal winsomeness about him, some charm. The word Jesus used here for love was the same as used in Matthew 5:44, where we are told to love our enemies. This means that we're to seek what is best for that person, ultimately. Jesus saw within this man's heart, and he loved him. There's a second thing about this man. This young man had a desire to inherit eternal life. His heart was not stone cold. Although he was rich, this did not blind him to the fact that he did have spiritual needs. He knew that in spite of all his riches, there was yet a void which was unfilled in his life. Another thing about this rich young ruler, he had a good record of keeping the commandments. He was probably very faithful in what we would call church attendance. One person described him as a perfect example of negative goodness. There were a lot of bad things this man did not do. Yet, in spite of all the good qualities he had, Jesus said that there was one thing thou lackest. And this was certainly true. I think if Jesus had been describing most of us here today, he may have been forced to say to us, there are a lot of things you lack. I think he would probably say that of me and maybe all of us here today. Well, what did this young man lack? One thing he lacked was a true understanding of salvation. He thought it was something he could do. What good thing shall I do, he asked. Like so many people in our day, he thought that salvation was a mechanical process whereby we do this and God does that. In our push-button age, we have become so accustomed to modern conveniences that many people seem to think that God is in the vending machine business, so to speak. We put in a good deed and we get out a blessing. Well, that's not really the way God is at all. He is a loving Father who blesses us not on the basis of what do we do for Him, but on His nature of loving us. God loves each of us as His children, and He asks of us that we, in turn, love each other. His condition for giving us love is not based on our spiritual performance pattern. One of the real problems with our thinking that God gives us measure for measure is that when we feel that His blessings to us have not come the way we feel they should, then we turn against God, even to the point of questioning His reality. You've heard some people say, if there is a God, why did He let this thing happen to me? Isn't this the way little children are many times? As long as mommy and daddy give me candy, I love them. But when they say no, then I'm mad at them. The rich young ruler was lacking in a true understanding of the real nature of God. 
He thought that as long as he was good, obedient, obeying all the rules, that he should have eternal life. But something didn't add up for him, and that's why he came running to Jesus. There's another thing we need to look at, a truth about this young man, and that is the one thing he lacked was essential. Just a few years ago, my wife Jane and I had the privilege of returning to a place in Kentucky where I had my first pastorate while I was a student at the seminary in Louisville. The place was Dry Valley, and it was named the Dry Valley Baptist Church, and the, the little place where it was was Mystic, Kentucky, M-Y-S-T-I-C. Well, we went there, and we found that Mystic no longer exists, but the little church is still there, we learned. So we asked some people how to find it, and we went through some winding roads, and sure enough, there it was. I recalled one Sunday morning back in the early 1950s when I was pastor of that church while a student in the seminary. As I was driving to the church, I sailed over the top of a little hill. It was a dirt road there, and I, I hit a small hole in that dirt road, and my automobile just quit right on the spot. Now, I was no mechanic back then, and I still am not. And so I walked the short distance on to the church. And then that afternoon, a young man, a member of our church, went back with me to where I had left my car that morning. He said that he would see if he could find out what was wrong. Well, as it turned out, it was a small wire leading to something called the coil. So he reattached it to the proper place and all was well. Now there are some things in a car that you can get along quite well without. Radio, heated seats, power windows, even a heater or air conditioning. The car will still run without these. Or in our modern day today, you can even operate your car without having one that will uh, parallel park itself automatically it'll put the brakes on you if you get too close to the car in front of you. Or the cars today will sound a warning if you're about to turn when there's another car in your blind spot. We're living in an amazing day for automobiles. But if you try to operate your car without gasoline or battery power for these new cars, then your car is no good for transportation. A home can lack certain things, such as fine furniture, uh, an HD TV with all the channels, all the modern conveniences, and the members of that home can still be happy. But let a home lack love, and all the riches of the world cannot make it a home. It's just a house where people may live. A church can get along very well without an eloquent man in the pulpit, without highly talented musicians at the instruments and the choir, or as soloists. But let a church lack loyalty to Jesus Christ on the part of its members, placing him first in all decisions that are made, then you'll find a church that it's on its way out. This rich young ruler had many good things, but he lacked that which Jesus knew was essential for eternal life that he was looking for. To be specific, this young man was in love with his money. Oh, how often the love of money has torn up a business 
a church, a home. With us, it may be something else even that we're not willing to surrender. In a child's book of animal stories, there's a description of the way to catch a monkey. Here's how the little children's book describes it. You drill a hole in the top of a coconut shell just large enough for a monkey to put his hand through the opening. Then the coconut is partly filled with rice and other edible goodies that the monkey loves to eat. And then it is firmly attached to a tree. So when a monkey feels down in there and feels the rice and the goodies inside the shell, that animal will fill its hand to f the full so he can get it to be withdrawn from the shell. Now all he has to do in order to go free is to let go of the food. But because he is unwilling to give up his prize, it remains trapped and the monkey is captured. Isn't that a sad story? And yet, we do not, don't we do the same thing when we tenaciously hold on to anything in our lives, <clears throat> unwilling to let go and let God, when all the while Jesus is calling us to let him have his way with us? It's not for what Jesus can get from us, but what he can give to us when he's in control. The very thing the rich young ruler was seeking, eternal life a brand new quality of life. The Bible says that the rich young ruler went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Jesus did not ask this man to go part way because he knew that this would not work with that man or with us. He did not say, uh, son, you need to give up a few of the things that you have. No, it was all or nothing at all. Now, let me ask you a question as we come to the close of this message this morning. Is there something in your life that's robbing you of real joy? Maybe a broken relationship with someone, and you're holding back, unwilling to say, God, I will do anything you ask me to do to make things right once again, even to the point of surrendering pride, losing face to that other person. Or is there some habit you have that you know deep down inside is separating you from a close walk with the Lord? And when you try to pray, that idea continues to get in your way? Is it the matter of money or earthly possessions that is robbing you of the joy that God wants you to have? That was a problem with the rich young ruler. And that's why Jesus had more to say about money than any other one subject. He knew the power that possessions can have in destroying the peace that he came to bring. This morning in our service earlier, we sang the hymn, Trust and Obey. And those lines from that hymn say, But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for those who will trust and obey. And so, I guess it all boils down to the words of that hymn that we have sung this morning. Do we love the Lord enough to let Him take over our lives and give us pardon, cleansing, forgiveness, and a new direction? <clears throat> so many people have found that our way doesn't work. 
It's causing us misery daily, not joy. That song that Frank Sinatra used to sing, I did it my way, is the theme song of a lot of people today, but it doesn't bring, bring lasting joy. Jesus offers a better way through surrender to him and his way. The phrase from another hymn says, once earthly joy I craved, sought peace and rest. Now thee alone I seek, give what is best. May this be the prayer for each of us today, that we will surrender ourselves and all that we have and are to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we know that if we're going to do this, we need help. It comes from a source outside ourselves. We don't have the ability personally within ourselves to surrender to Jesus. And it's only through your grace and your divine power that you can forgive us from our sins. You can free us from that which holds us back. You can give us a new life, a new kind of life, new brand of life and a new direction for our lives. So we pray, O oh God, that for all those who are sharing this time with us today, that that might be either the beginning or a reaffirmation of total surrender to Jesus. This we pray in his wonderful name. And for those of you who are sharing the service with us by podcast, this is Kirk Lawton, chaplain at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, praying that God may richly bless you this day and the days ahead.